I've lived in New Jersey my entire life. I've been a fiction writer, actor, playwright, blogger, gourmet chef, home renovator, event planner, landscape architect, and decorator. Now, I'm married to a professional drummer who is also an award-winning photographer, so the arts have always been really important to me. There are so many people in New Jersey that are involved in the arts, and I am planning to talk to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm inviting you to listen in. I'm Lucille Lasapio, talking arts and culture, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. When I met today's guest, I was really surprised that we hadn't met before because we have so much in common and we ran in a lot of the same circles. Stephanie Ivanovich, whose name you might recognize because of her famous aunt, Janet Ivanovich, is also a best-selling fiction writer. But unlike her aunt, Stephanie writes women's fiction, or romantic comedy as she puts it. But it's not exactly chiclet, and by the end of this conversation, you'll understand why. Hello, Stephanie. Hello, Lucille. I'm so glad to meet you. <laughs> I am, too. Now, be- before we start talking about your writing, okay, we have to talk about how much we have in common. Besides being a fiction writer, which I also am. I didn't know that. Yes. You, you're an actor. Yes. And you have a black belt in Taekwondo. I actually do. And so do I. You do? Yes, I do. I really liked the zen of it. I could break. My motto was break a board, break a bone, break (laughs) something. How much more do we have in common? Because I'm beginning to think there's something weird going on here. Um... (laughs) I met my husband coming at your to see husband. my husband's band, Line Drive. Yes. Talk about a mind right. blowing. <laughs> I, I don't even have like words. So you were in community theater. I did a lot of community Wh- theater. Which community theater groups? I did mostly the Eaton Town Playhouse. I started actually I was one of the few the first plus models back in the eighties. You know, it was just I guess a stepping a stone. Thing, I always yeah. wanted to be an actor, and I thought so. I kind of segued. I was an extra in the movie Fletch Lives. I think if you look at the end, you'll see a blurry head <laughs> that is sort of like looking at the body. It's way in the background. I just felt so amazing when the assistant director came up to me and was like, "You keep doing that. It's amazing." So I thought, "Oh, I'm going to be an actor." And I, you know, I did a couple low-budget movies. I think I really realized that I didn't have the right connections for acting. And I came to this realization around the time that The Wrestler came out. Some of that was filmed at Convention Hall. Right. And I kind of said to myself, you know what? If I can't get an extra role in a movie about a washed up wrestler taking place in my backyard, I don't have the right connections. However... If you're a reader, the name Janet Ivanovich may ring a bell. I thought, I'll try anything to entertain. And I figured, that's kind of a connection. But as a matter of fact, that's a perfect segue because I was going to talk about your famous last name. So your Aunt Janet is a household name, Janet Ivanovich. Yes. Has having such a recognizable name hindered your success as a writer? Look, here's the deal when it comes to writing. Every writer is going to pay their dues. One way or another, sometimes more than once, you pay your dues. Did being Stephanie Ivanovich give me a heads up and a leg up on getting agents to take my call and read my work and sell Mm -hmm. Big Girl Panties, which was my first book, which was a New York Times bestseller? Yes, 
but it also was a it, it was a hindrance at times because there were people who did confuse. They thought you might be writing like her also, um, I'm sure. You know what? Janet started in romance, and it was only when she made the jump to the Stephanie Plum series. Is that Harold. named after you? Well, you know what? <laughs> She's, of course, the only one who can answer that question definitively, but there's a lot of names in the world, and yeah. Stephanie Plum, okay. How much consideration have you ever given to using a pseudonym? I don't. I acted as Stephanie Mondrich, except for the trauma. For some reason, if you were to get Rockabilly Vampire or Blonde Fury, for some reason I'm in there as my married name. It's funny that you would ask the question because I'm currently doing an anthology for a friend of mine who was so big in giving me direction and friendship and getting started. So when he asked me to write in an erotica anthology, like I thought when I first started writing, I was like, oh, I could write smut all day. But as I grew as a writer, I don't find the smut as easy. I, I'm more interested in the story. Yeah. If anybody wants to write some erotica, get in touch with me on my Facebook author page or DM me on Instagram and I can direct you. He's paying $25. I told him <laughs> to pay me in singles so I can go make it rain on some <laughs> Chippendales. You know what? It's interesting because that, that kind of ties in with my next question. Which is, there are some pretty steamy scenes in the total package, which I just read. Oh. And that has gotten some pretty nice reviews. How yeah. much of this is autobiographical? I can't really say. It's as autobiographical as Stephen King had a car named Christine that could talk and kill people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They do say write what you know, and Big Girl Panties had the element of me writing as a woman of size who went through personal training and had a wonderful time. It was a great experience for me. But you know what? I've never been thin, and it was only after my diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis that I ever felt I wasn't perfectly healthy. Yeah. So I'd yeah. like to blow that whole myth that you have to be thin to be healthy, like yeah. out of the water. That was important. But writing sex is, is, it's what I grew up reading. You know, I went from The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. Oh, I read The Carpetbaggers when I used to babysit. Oh. I found it in my sister's house, like, ooh, <laughs> The Carpetbaggers. Went from reading The Outsiders to reading The Insiders by Rosemary Rogers. It was over the top. It was quite a culture shock. It's been fun to watch romance writing evolve because now readers don't want to hear the no. And then he basically has sex with her anyway, which mm -hmm. I do believe is rape in like modern culture. Yeah. And probably rightly so. But at the time, that was what all of the bodice ripping romances were really right. like. I love the most about writing now is that strong women can celebrate their sexuality, yeah. their femininity. Women can do anything. Yeah. So how would you describe your style? Do you consider what you write chiclet? When marketing my books, my publisher would classify them as women's fiction, uh, romantic comedies. How many books have you written? I have four published, and I'm currently working on two, and I have a plethora of stuff that, you know, when the mood strikes me, I'll just, you know, write about anything. So now, Stephanie, if you're like me, you incorporate people that you know into the characters you write about. Absolutely. 
How often have people come back to you and complained that they didn't like the way you describe them? I will always leave anybody who thinks they are a character wondering if they're not <laughs> quite sure. Yeah. My, it, it, the running joke after Big Girl Panties was my personal trainer at the time was trying to tell everybody that the book was about him. Yeah. And it it wasn't. It was about another personal trainer that I had who was just to die for. I will always leave my readers and my, my friends yeah, wondering, was that me? And look, I'm very careful with my names. That's like writing 101 to me right, now. Right. Let's talk about ethics in publishing. I've heard complaints okay. from some fiction writers about self-publishing companies that make promises that sound like they're one thing, but they're really something else. Your book will be available in stores nationwide, which writers believe them, but then they're not going to be on the bookshelves like they thought. Have you come across unethical practices in your career as a writer? Look, to me, the only unethical practice in writing, and I learned this back when I mentioned to you that I was a model. Anybody that wants money from you for your talent is unethical. After that, all bets are off. They have vanity publishing where you literally pay them five, mm -hmm. six, seven hundred dollars and they promise you the world and really they're just taking your seven hundred dollars and giving you an ISBN number yeah. and basically leaving you hanging out to dry. You might as well just self-publish. You might as well. Here's what I know. It's an extremely competitive industry as all entertainment is. So there's only so much space in the Target, the Barnes & Noble, the bookstore. Big Girl Panties made it to the New York Times list because my publisher threw a lot of money at it. There are writers like J.K. Rowling who just really... Actually, she's a very good example. She wrote a book. It was not a Harry Potter book. It was mm -hmm. just an adult. I'm not sure if it was a mystery or just a novel. And it didn't sell. Like, nobody would buy it. She eventually had to say, oh, I'm J.K. Rowling. Then all of a sudden, everybody wanted it. Writing is a business. While it's tricky because a person's feelings and their heart, like the talent mm. part of it, is deep in the soul of people, and I get that, but it's a business. I have writers who self-publish. And look, there's a whole slew of mid-level publishers that do quite well and will market your book. The main thing is that you don't pay them. As long as you're set up in a structure, I just sold the rights to Big Girl Panties to Russia, so it should be coming out in Russia. The truth is that as long Amazon has fair rates, but Amazon now also has their own imprints. Mm. So their imprinted authors, of course, are going to get the majority of their marketing right. because it's a business. Right. I have independent friends who self-publish or are in very small publishing companies. Those writers are expected to produce because the marketing money that got thrown at a book like Big Girl Panties mm -hmm. or The Sweet Spot or The Total Package, the only way for them to stay in the eye is that these writers are having to produce a book every other month, which I am in awe. I cannot even imagine yeah. what I would do if I had to write a book every other month. I stepped away from my contract with HarperCollins because they wanted to have me as a book a year writer and three books in I was like this will kill me so 
they were way nicer to me than they had to be. I was under a contract with them and they let me out of it. I wish I could have been the writer they wanted me to be, Mm -hmm. but this is my journey. I may end up self-publishing my next books anyway because I feel also sort of weird inside. Your publisher generally sets the price of your book Mm -hmm. and sometimes even I don't think my book is worth what they're charging. I care about my readers because my readers have been very kind, you know, to me. What kind of marketing did Harper Collins do for you? Just in general, what kind of marketing crazy might a publisher do? Well, let me t- like okay, for instance, Big Girl Panties, if you took the North Jersey Coast train, they had banners up like, you know, advertisements for Big Girl Panties up the North Jersey Coast. They'll film trailers for your book or interviews the money they sent me to go on tour you get a publicist most publicists it's all about who they know like big girl panties was in people magazine and entertainment weekly and i'll tell you what if you're writing nonfiction, nonfiction is pretty much the only publishing medium where they will pay you in advance with just knowing the idea Okay, well, good. Good to know. What kind of books do you like to read? The truth is that it takes me, and I don't know if other writers um, can attest to this or if they have the same problem, but lately, reading for pleasure has been a frustrating experience to me. I find myself drifting off and I'll read a page and and almost be like what did I what did I just read (laughs) and then I have to read it again so when I used to be able to just breeze through books now it's almost like it takes every ounce of my focus and I don't get the same pleasure from it and I think there's part of me that's guilty of thinking you know the guilt the guilt side of me is like, you know, what if you got this time to read, you got this time to write. Um, but there are writers that swear. They're voracious readers. They swear by it, which brings me to my other thing that I really want to get across on your mm-hmm. podcast, and then we can go back to whatever you want. That's anything. The best writing advice I ever got was do not take too much writing advice. Mm. Because the truth is, it's not all meant for you. And if you you have to learn to chew the meat, spit out the bones, some advice is good for you, some advice is terrible for you. And you are already doing amazing work by putting your your feelings and your ideas on paper. Try not to get wrapped up in taking everyone's writing advice. There are writers I know who need to write every day. Like they say, you should write every day. And there are writers that if they don't write every day, feel something's missing. My personal feeling is even God took a day off. Okay? (laughs) On Sunday, he rested. So should I. And luckily, my editor for the four books that that are out, she would be the first person to tell me if I was feeling stressed, close it up, go out and play, and just be with it was good advice for me. I've only read one of your books. And you I didn't re- read the dirtiest one, I by did- the way. Oh, which is the dirtiest? Oh, <laughs> the total package is actually part of a series called the Logan Montgomery series. 
Let me just interrupt you for a second because my next question was, are you trying to build a body of work or does each piece stand on its own? Big girl do, panties. Do our minds work the same way or what? <laughs> that is no accident. Big girl panties was the first book, which was about Logan and Holly. Chase and Amanda, thanks mostly to Fifty Shades of Grey, started stealing the book from everyone because of their kinky little love fest. So is that the dirtiest? It depends, because the sweet spot <laughs> is kinky. Like, Amanda and Chase are already married. They're happily married. They're in big girl panties. They're a couple. You get peeks inside their kinky fun time. A lot of people loved them in big girl panties. My publisher was like, I think you should do their story, too. So I did. They're pretty dirty, you know? Like, But big girl <laughs> panties is is pretty out there, too. You know what? I'd rather read about sex than murder. Like, uh, you know what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I guess I feel that way when it comes to writing, too. Like most writers, sometimes I have trouble just getting started. So what do you do to overcome what a lot of people call writer's block, but is probably just laziness? First of all, most of my books are centered around one single line that comes to me. Then I kind of create the story around it. And this is where the acting... We, I used to have to do an exercise in acting where you had to sort of go backwards with your character. Where did they come from? And you just went back and back and back and back and back and back and back. For me, that was very helpful in developing the character that is already written for me. So I do that with my characters. I usually start incredibly strong, and I sometimes can end, and I'll also write almost like a movie is filmed. If I'm feeling warm and sexy and, and feeling it, those are the scenes I'm working on. If I'm listening to too much Nine Inch Nails and feel <laughs> like angry and <laughs> angsty, I will write a fight scene or where there's some conflict turmoil happening. And I'll write out a sequence. I was just going to ask that. And then segue yeah. it mm -hmm. together. And again, that works for me. There are other writers who have to go from A to B, do the first drift. I'm constantly editing as I go. And that works for me. That doesn't necessarily work for another writer. I've had days where 150 words was the best I could do. I've had days where I'm obsessively writing 5,000 words. Mm -hmm. And you need to respect both of those days. Not every day is a 5,000-word day, and you shouldn't compare your 150 words to the 5,000 words because you're just setting yourself up for disappointment and failure. And believe me, there have been times where my editor changed the whole view of what was going on. Your editor helps you, even if you're paying for editing. Like, I don't know too many writers who self-publish who don't at some point invest and pay an editor. I, that's why I said chew the meat, spit out the bones. If it makes you feel icky inside, if it makes you feel like it's a daunting task, because once you lose your voice... Once you lose your ability to write out a scene, you're sunk. And if you've done that because you've been taking the wrong advice, then you haven't done anyone a favor, especially yourself. It's funny, you know, there are there are readers who get very offended by if you're dropping too many F-bombs. Oh, or, or, well, you know what? <laughs> 
I try to get one fuck in every book just to show him. But the truth is there's nothing that is less believable than two grown men having a fight and then going, dang, damn it. I... Darn it. Yeah. 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 No. You dummy head. No. No. <laughs> Tyson standing up to Logan needed a fuck you man yeah. because he had had enough. Anything else would have been stupid. Yeah. Would have been real fiction. And... <laughs> right. I'm going to move on to my last question. Okay. If you had to pick three people who influenced you the most, who would they be? S.C. Hinton, who wrote The Outsiders. The Outsiders made me cry because it was ending. And after it was over, I couldn't read it again. Like, I needed to experience it the first time. Bob Podraski, because he had great faith in me when my own faith was shaky. And my sister... My sister, who has a blog called Can I Take a Nap First? And what's her name? Alexia Rose. I have the first friend I ever made. We've been friends for 53 years. She is a support system. I've been so blessed. My sister is the person who, when I'm shaky, will say to me, as she has always said, since when did you give a shit about what anybody thinks? She is the one who will throw my big girl panties at me and say, put these on, damn it, and get back to what you're doing. <laughs> she is, she's the real deal. Stephanie, this has been so much fun. Oh my God. Well, thanks again for coming. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love the arts and I love to talk. And that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk. Mm-hmm.